Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome back or welcome if you are new here to my podcast, Reading and Weeping. My name is Julia, and I am your host. And in this podcast, we talk about all things books, all things reading. So I am so excited that you are joining me for today's episode because it is going to be a good one. One of the main reasons I love doing this podcast is that it pushes me to explore new topics, new books, new authors, new genres that I wouldn't normally gravitate towards. And this week, I have done just that. And after reading the book that I read this week, to be honest with you, I'm not sure why I haven't read more books from this genre, or rather the subset of this genre, which is the celebrity memoir. That is the topic that I'm going to be delving into today. And I know that there are a few things that were definitely keeping me from reading books like this, but none of them honestly seem relevant anymore because this book was absolutely fantastic. And I'm going to be talking about it a little bit later. But for now, let's just jump right into it. I wanted to start off this episode by not talking specifically about celebrity memoirs, but just talking about memoirs in general, because I feel like they've constantly been popular. I don't think there's been a surge of popularity in recent years. I don't think it's died down in recent years. I think they're always coming out and they've been coming out pretty much forever. I also feel that a lot of them do very well. I mean, I'm not an expert. I haven't tracked down every single memoir that's ever come out, but I feel like they always end up on the New York Times bestseller list. They might not be number one, but they're on the list and then they get to put that on the cover and then they sell even more copies. You know what I mean? And I feel like the reason that memoirs or autobiographies, to be honest with you, I do not know the difference between the two. I feel like the reason they are so popular is because as readers, as an audience, we just like to read stories where we feel like we can escape, whether that's into the world, whether that's into the characters, or whether that's into the thoughts and feelings of the person narrating the book. And with celebrity memoirs, there's this added layer of, okay, this person was in the public eye. This person's famous. I know that a lot of this is a facade and there are secrets. There are things that I am not privy to that you want to keep your private life private. But when you write this book, you're inviting me into your thoughts, into your feelings, into things that went on that I didn't know about. And I think the celebrity memoir really feeds into this idea of parasocial relationships. If you don't know what that is, I have the definition pulled up. I just Googled it real quick. It says parasocial relationships are one-sided relationships where one person extends emotional energy, interest, and time. And the other party, the persona, is completely unaware of the other's existence. Now, I'm not saying that we all have parasocial relationships with celebrities. I don't feel that way at all. But I will say from my own experience being on social media, I feel like I know certain celebrities in a more intimate way because of it, you know, like sharing things like going to the grocery store or your relationship status or where you went to dinner on Friday night. That feels like something that you would show your friends or you would share on your own Instagram to your own followers. 
And when you're reading a memoir where somebody is confessing their feelings or showing big revelations or epiphanies or turning points in their life, it gives you the same feeling. Like, I know this person more intimately than the general public. I know things that they don't know if they haven't read the book or if they haven't checked their Instagram stories or if they haven't watched their TikToks lately. You know, all of that stuff, I feel like really feeds into this idea of a parasocial relationship and why there are so many people out there who feel like they know these people on a deeper level as if you were friends with the person. And I know how this sounds. I know it probably sounds like, oh, well, if the celebrity didn't want their privacy violated, then they shouldn't have shared anything. They shouldn't have posted that on their story that one time. They shouldn't have written a book about their experience if they didn't want me to know. And that is not how I feel in the slightest. I actually think the responsibility is on the consumer to discern what is curated and what is actually reality. When reading things like celebrity memoirs or tweets or watching Instagram stories or YouTube videos even, you as the consumer need to take all of that with a grain of salt. Because at the end of the day, they're telling a story and trying to entertain you. And there's a lot that goes into telling a functional story, right? You need it to be linear. You need it to have a beginning, middle, and an end. You need it to have suspense and drama. So inevitably, there's going to be details that are added in, and there's going to be details that are taken out, not only for privacy reasons, but also to support the narrative that that person is trying to craft for the audience. My point here is don't be fooled into thinking that just because you see something on social media or because you read a book about a celebrity that you know anything more about their life than you did before. Because the reality is you don't know them at all because you don't know them privately. So I think when looking at these types of things, we need to look at them as marketing tactics, as ways to improve the brand of the person who's telling the story or the person who the story is about. And that doesn't mean we can't be entertained by this content, but I think that we need to go in with only that intention purely to be entertained. Now, the person who needs to take this advice the most is me. It was so difficult for me to get into that mindset because I love pop culture. I'm being real, okay? I love stupid, pointless shit that adds absolutely no value to my life. And when I read trending topics, when I read news stories, I get so arrogant and I feel like I know everything about everybody. I really do. So before starting this book, I actually had to do something that I've never really done before, which is step back and reevaluate my intentions for reading this story. Do I want to read it to hear the author expose people, expose public figures and secrets about the entertainment industry? Or do I want to read it to actually learn about this person's life and what they went through and possibly take away a valuable lesson from it? Now, I'm not going to lie to you. My intentions at first were not pure. I did just want to hear the author expose people. But after I read the synopsis of this book, I became genuinely intrigued about their story. And this story in question is I'm Glad My Mom Died by Jeanette McCurdy. 
I am going to read the synopsis for you now to see if you feel the same way. But trigger warning, this book does talk about abuse and eating disorders and addiction. So keep that in mind, especially as I read this synopsis. Jeanette McCurdy was six years old when she had her first acting audition. Her mother's dream was for her only daughter to become a star, and Jeanette would do anything to make her mother happy. So she went along with what mom called, quote unquote, calorie restriction, eating little and weighing herself five times a day. She endured extensive at-home makeovers while mom chided, your eyelashes are invisible, okay? You think Dakota Fanning doesn't tint hers? She was even showered by mom until age 16 and was also forced to share her diaries, email, and her entire income. In I'm Glad My Mom Died, Jeanette recounts all of this in unflinching detail, just as she chronicles what happens when the dream finally comes true. Cast in a new Nickelodeon series called iCarly, she is thrust into fame. Though mom is ecstatic, emailing fan club moderators and getting on a first-name basis with the paparazzi, hi Gail, Jeanette is riddled with anxiety, shame, and self-loathing, which manifest into eating disorders, addiction, and a series of unhealthy relationships. These issues only get worse when, soon after taking the lead in the iCarly spinoff Sam and Cat alongside Ariana Grande, her mother dies of cancer. Finally, after discovering therapy and quitting acting, Jeanette embarks on recovery and decides for the first time in her life what she really wants. Told with refreshing candor and dark humor, I'm Glad My Mom Died is an inspiring story of resilience, independence, and the joy of shampooing your own hair. That synopsis honestly sold me on reading this book better than any of the press for it did. Because I remember when this book was first released, I remember seeing interviews and hearing sound bites and reading excerpts that just made me think, oh, great, Jeanette McCurdy wrote a memoir. She's telling her story. Good for her. You know, she's trying to be provocative. That's really great. But I think all of those things that were released about this book, especially the stuff about Ariana Grande and Nickelodeon, were really taken out of context to try and shock people into buying the book, which is fine. And I'm sure it worked on some people because this book sold a shit ton of copies. I mean, it's a number one New York Times bestseller. I remember it winning like best memoir on Goodreads at the end of 2022. It's it was a very popular book and it still is a very popular book. But I'm just saying that all of that stuff didn't really entice me to go out and buy it, to go out and read it. It wasn't until I read the synopsis that I was actually excited about it. And let me tell you, this book did not disappoint. I absolutely loved it so much more than I thought I was going to, not just because of Jeanette and her story, but more so the way that she tells it. She is a fantastic, fantastic writer. And I was not expecting that from her at all. Instead of trying to explain it to you, I'm just going to read you the prologue so you can hear what I'm talking about. It's strange how we always give big news to loved ones in a coma, as if a coma is just a thing that happens from a lack of something to be excited about in your life. Mom is in the ICU at the hospital. The doctors told us she has 48 hours to live. Grandma, Grandpa, and Dad are out in the waiting room calling relatives and eating vending machine snacks. Grandma says Nutter Butters soothe her anxiety. I'm standing around mom's tiny, comatose body with my three older brothers, Marcus, the together one, 
Dustin, the smart one, and Scott, the sensitive one. I wipe the corners of her crusted shut eyes with a rag, and then it begins. Mom, together, leans over and whispers into Mom's ear, I'm going to move back to California soon. We all perk up, excited to see if Mom might suddenly jolt awake. Nothing. Then Smart steps forward. Mama, uh, Mama, Kate and I are getting married. Again, we all perk up, still nothing. Sensitive steps forward. Mommy, I'm not listening to what Sensitive says to try and get Mom to wake up because I'm too busy working on my own wake-up material. And now it's my turn. I wait until everyone else goes down to grab some food so that I can be alone with her. I pull the squeaky chair close to her bed and sit down. I smile. I'm about to bring out the big guns. Forget weddings. Forget moving home. I've got something more important to offer. Something I'm sure mom cares about more than anything. Mommy, I am so skinny right now. I'm finally down to 89 pounds. I'm in the ICU with my dying mother, and the thing I'm sure will get her to wake up is the fact that in the days since mom's been hospitalized, my fear and sadness have morphed into the perfect anorexia motivation cocktail. And finally, I have achieved mom's current goal weight for me, 89 pounds. I'm so sure this fact will work that I lean all the way back in my chair and pompously cross my legs. I wait for her to come to, and wait, and wait. But she never does. She never comes to. I can't make sense of it. If my weight isn't enough to get mom to wake up, then nothing will be. And if nothing can wake her up, then that means she's really going to die. And if she's really going to die, what am I supposed to do with myself? My life purpose has always been to make mom happy, to be who she wants me to be. So without mom, who am I supposed to be now? To me? It's the way that that prologue roped me in. I was not able to put this book down after I read that because I feel like it captures this really sad and heavy tone about this innocent and naive girl who is being tortured by her mom, even when her mom's not even there to torture her. She's not even conscious. What's really remarkable, though, and why I say she's such a great writer is because In this prologue, on its own, in these two pages, she does not mention her name, she does not mention that she's a child star, and she doesn't mention that she was on a pretty famous TV show. If you gave me this prologue on a piece of paper without telling me who wrote it, what the book was called, who it was about, I would read it and say, yeah, this stands on its own and I want to read on and learn more about this character because she's already so nuanced and so complex and is able to communicate her feelings so well. She's naive. She's innocent. She's tortured. You just want to read on about this girl not knowing that it's Jeanette McCurdy. You know what I mean? She ropes you in with the fact that she is Sam Puckett from iCarly, but she keeps you reading because of how good of a writer she is. And that's what really bothers me about backlash that she's gotten about certain excerpts and passages being released because she's not telling this from a reflective point of view. She's not saying, oh, I used to think these things and I know that that's bad now and I would never do that. Shame on younger me. She actually does the complete opposite and writes in the present tense as if all of the events in the book are happening in real time. 
For example, when she's writing about her eighth birthday, she's writing from the perspective of an eight-year-old. When she's writing about her time on iCarly, she's writing from the perspective of a teenager. And because she writes like this, you're able to get this profound sense of empathy for her rationale because she's just a little girl who's doing the best that she can, who doesn't know how to respond to a lot of different situations in her environment. She doesn't know how to respond to her trauma. She doesn't even know that she's being traumatized. And all of that later informs her anger, her sadness and her mental health and how she deals with all of that. And once you finish the book and you look back on everything that she went through and all that she persevered through, you think to yourself like, yeah, that's 100% valid. That is 100% justified. I would feel the exact same way if I was in her position. I'm glad her mom died too. Her mom was a truly terrible, terrible person. And there is nothing controversial about that title at all. If you read the book, if you really understand where she's coming from, that title will make full and complete sense to you. But man, her writing. I just really didn't expect that from her at all. I mean, she does mention in the book that writing is her true passion. And I've heard her say in interviews that she's always wanted to be a writer, But she's really got what it takes. I think she could write screenplays. I think she could write regular plays. I think she could write novels, fiction, any genre that she wanted. I think she's absolutely fantastic. And I think that this book just opened that door for her. So I'm very excited to see where that takes her. But something apart from her writing that I really loved in this book was how she talked about her friendship with Miranda Cosgrove and all of the fond memories that she has with her. Growing up, iCarly was one of my favorite shows. I loved it so much. It was so funny. It made me genuinely laugh so hard every single week. And it still holds up. I watched episodes of it recently, like the old ones, and they are still funny as hell. I love them. I love that show. And I really loved Carly and Sam's friendship. I thought Sam was a bad bitch because she was always picking fights with people. She was always defending Carly's honor. And Carly was so sweet and kind of just brought Sam down to earth. Like they balanced each other out and they were truly the best of friends in that show. And so to hear that they had that same bond in real life, that it wasn't completely manufactured that that was something that really held Jeanette down through all of that time was so beautiful to hear like I don't care that Sam's not in the reboot that's all I needed all I needed to hear is that her and Miranda were on good terms that's all I needed to hear it was so beautiful and I just I really loved reading all of that stuff it did make me cry when I read it Just hearing how much Miranda supported Jeanette through everything that she went through and, you know, was always there for her was so sweet. And Jeanette is honest. She's like, you know, me and Miranda have drifted apart, but I'm always going to have great memories with her and I'll always love her. And Miranda talks about her the same way when they say, have you talked to Jeanette about joining the reboot? She's like, you know, she doesn't really want to. And and that's okay. We all still love her and we all still support her and are excited to see what she does. And that's just so beautiful to see women supporting women. I love to see it. It's so beautiful. I hope they like stay in touch at at some level, like forever, because I... I just loved seeing that part in the book. And of course, no one in the press freaking talked about it. They just talked about, oh, Jeanette McCurdy talks shit about Ariana Grande, which she really 
doesn't if you read the book. If you read the book and you understand the context behind what she's saying, you would be pissed at Ariana too. I love her. I'm the biggest Ariana Grande fan in the entire world. If you know me, you know that Ariana is everything to me. I absolutely love her. I know all of her music. I've been a fan of hers for like 15 years. But if I was in Jeanette's position, I would feel the same way. Straight up. And what she said wasn't even that bad. She just, all she said was, yeah, I don't like her. And people got so pressed about it. I don't understand. I really don't understand. But moving away from that topic, because that's not what the book is about. I want to talk more about her and Miranda because their bond is so sweet and so pure and it makes me so happy. And I love how at the end when Jeanette talks about not joining the reboot, it's sort of implied to the reader like, yeah, I wouldn't join the reboot either after everything that she went through, I wouldn't join the reboot either. And Miranda completely understands that. She's like, I negotiated for the both of us to get paid the same. Like, you can come back. It'd be so fun. It'd be just like old times. And Jeanette's like, Miranda, I love you. I'm sorry, but I can't do it. I can't come back. It's better for my mental health if I don't. And Miranda's like, okay. Like, it's, it's just an understanding between the two of them. And it's, it's not sad. It's not happy. It's just what it is. It's just life. And that was such a beautiful part about that book because all of us who watched the show were able to get some sort of closure there, which I think was really nice of her to include. She didn't have to include it. But if it's part of her story, obviously, I'm I'm happy for her that she did, whether it was for us or not. But it just felt nice that she was able to include that stuff about Miranda because that was my childhood. You know, it was just nice to hear on a selfish level. It was all really nice to hear. But I don't really know what else to talk about other than the fact that this book is just really good. And I think there's a lot of it that you need to experience by yourself. There's not much more that I'm really going to spoil. You've probably already heard a lot about the contents of this book if you follow along to just the regular news and pop culture like I do. But reading the book will completely defy your expectations because it's written so beautifully and it's just going to pleasantly surprise you and give you a new perspective on the entertainment industry, not just for kids, but for everybody. And you won't regret it. I feel like as well, if you're not a reader and you don't really feel like reading this book, an audiobook would be a great way to consume it because Jeanette herself actually narrates this book and I would love to hear her take on her own story from like an acting perspective I know that she's never gonna act ever again and that she's retired and that she's over it and I totally fully support her and understand it but she was a pretty good actress I saw her Law and Order SVU episode a couple months ago and she was really really good she can do comedic she can do dramatic she's just great And I would love to hear this story read out loud by her and see how she does different inflections on things, maybe different than I read it in my head. I feel like it probably would have enhanced my experience if I listened to her read it because I feel like that would just hit different, you know? But whatever works for you, I think Jeanette is very entertaining, so I don't think you'll be disappointed. And with that, that brings us to the end of today's episode. I thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode today. I am very excited for the episodes that are coming up in the next couple weeks. I'm excited for the books that I'm going to get to read. I have a lot of good ones in my 
TBR. I think that's what it's called. It's like your to be read list, your reading list, basically. I have a lot on my list that I am very excited to read. Bottom line. But again, I am so grateful that you are tuning in and I hope that you're enjoying. I'm having the most fun recording this podcast and reading new things all the time. So thank you so much for listening. And with all of that said, I am going to close out with the C.S. Lewis quote that perfectly describes my philosophy on reading. No book is really worth reading at the age of 10, which is not equally and often far more worth reading at the age of 50 and beyond. Thank you so much for listening, you guys, and I will see you next week. Bye. Bye.